Hello everyone and welcome to Full Sail Live. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't have school today. For some reason I still have Project Portfolio 6 on my mind. My apologies guys. Let me try this one more time. Hello everyone and welcome to NISA Today FC. I'm Josh Taylor and so it's been about a month since our last episode but a happy belated new year. I know it's been a while but I missed you guys. And I've been pretty busy this month with school, working at Under Armour on the weekends. But man, we have a lot of news to get to today. We got a New York club that's officially announced that they are going hi hiatus. I'll share my thoughts on that. And Chicago Nisa, they made the news this past week. So I'll share some updates on what's going on with them. And of course, the Nisa League, they announced an alliance with a semi-professional women's soccer league. I'll tell you more on that and more, so stay tuned for an exciting episode on Nisa Today FC. Welcome back everyone, and it's great to be back. Uh, I hope everyone that's listening to the show today is healthy and safe. And for the NISA League, they've been pretty quiet. But the last couple of weeks, news has picked up. And we have lots of news to share uh, since our last episode. So this is how I'm going to break down the show for today. We have big three big three stories excuse me, that have broken down the three main stories of, from the past week that I'm going to share with you on the NISA League. And then, of course, I'll kind of do a recap of what you missed since our last episode. Talk about some player signings. And, of course, as always, I'll wrap up the show with my final thoughts. But you've waited long enough. So without further ado, let's get into the news. And big story number one, the NISA League announced an alliance with the Semi-Professional Women's Soccer League United Women's Soccer. Now, in case you don't know anything about United Women's Soccer, they are currently have like a divisions like second division, third division set of clubs, women's clubs that are professional and amateur, but they're not in any way affiliated with like the NWSL. And what the focus for this relationship or alliance, excuse me, between United Women's Soccer and the National Independent soccer association by linking the two organizations is they want to build up this national program women's league and while they're also developing the professional men's league and combine the vision of building greater opportunity to improve operations and merit-based advancement for women's clubs players and leadership so just to share my perspective on this new alliance first one with the women's league this time is right now in the women's soccer, you only have one professional women's soccer league. That's the national women's soccer league, NWSL, who this year will have 10 teams, but are building 12 teams and more possibly down the road. But that's the only ones below them. There's no, there's nothing you have, of course, UWS and you have WPSL. Those are the other women's soccer leagues. And 
I think with this development, it's going to be huge because NWSL will at least have some competition, not just from this alliance between NISA and UWS, but I also heard that the United Soccer League is also looking at starting a women's soccer league sometime next year. Now, if that does happen, you'll have NWSL, the USL's Women's Soccer League, and now whatever the name will be for this soccer league for between UWS and NISA, which they said in their press release that they plan to start this league next year as well. Now, they didn't determine if it will be a second division or a third division. If I was this women's league, I would consider starting third division because I wouldn't well, say it's easy, but easier professional league standards to meet at the D3 level compared to the Division II level. And like what the men's league is doing with NISA, building that up pyramid with Division Three, build those teams. Then you look at Division Two, build that up, build up Division One. I think they're going to do the same approach with this women's soccer league that will start next year. Do Division Three, build it up, then build Division Two in your own pyramid, then eventually build Division One. That's just how I think they should do it. But let's let me read uh, from the press release from the commissioner, John Pruch. Uh, he said, uh, This alliance will provide women's clubs, athletes, coaches, and staff a growth path to the highest levels of the game. We couldn't be more excited for how NISA is growing and finding allies like UWS in creating an open system based on merit. The need is critical, and the opportunity is evident to advance the men's and women's game together. And I certainly couldn't agree more. And I think this is not just good just for women's soccer in general, that is going to have competition with USL Women's League and uh, UWS NISA League and, of course, the NWSL. But I certainly hope this will lead to a U.S. or a, a, a woman, excuse me, U.S. Open Cup competition. I've always wondered how can we have a men's U.S. Open Cup? We don't have a women's Open Cup. We we should have one. Now I know the NWSL is the only league, but still, I mean, if MLS is playing amateur teams and the second and third division professional clubs, why don't they do that in the women's game? So I hope once these two leagues uh, get the women's league going for UWS and NISA, that it will eventually lead to that. And, of course, if USL gets their women's league going, hey, more competition, more better for women's soccer, right? And that's what we want. Now, there are a few NISA teams that do have a UWS team or a plan to start one. Detroit City FC has one. The Michigan Stars FC will start one. And the New Jersey Teamsters will also start a women's team in the UWS league. And I think overall this will help, you know, kind of bridge the gap a bit between the amateur and professional ranks in the women's game, but also build advancement for players, amateur, to eventually get professional. And, of course, you know, build more jobs, opportunities within the women's game. Now let's move on to... Story number two, and this will be about the New York Cosmos. 
as they officially announced they're going on hiatus. Now, according to Jeff Wooter of the Athletic, Athletic, tongue twister there, the New York Cosmos are going to go hiatus related to the coronavirus uh, pandemic. Now, he announced this on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, but the Cosmos have been quiet. Now, to be fair, the Cosmos have they've basically been AWOL since last November because we have not heard anything once the season concluded. And people were speculating if the team was going to be around, whether they were bringing the players back. We didn't know anything. And even though uh, Jeff Reuter had uh, announced this a couple weeks ago, the club didn't confirm it until this past Friday, January 29th, where they announced that they are going on hiatus. So let me just read you what they said on Twitter. The New York Cosmos have made the difficult decision to pause team operations due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. During this hiatus, the club plans to continue to work with the National Independent Soccer Association in its quest to grow quality, merit-based independent soccer in the United States. We are grateful to our fans for the long-standing support and loyalty. They have always been the lifeblood of the Cosmos organization, and the matches we played in last season were not the same without the team, without them. As we continue to navigate through this unprecedented global health crisis, we look forward with optimism and hope for our supporters, our organization, and our sport in the United States. And, man, I was kind of confused because I was like, you have Rocco Camiso. He's a millionaire owner, right? And you would think with since he's bought the team, it would you know, grow and prosper. But it hasn't worked out for them. Since he took the team in 2017, of course, the NHL folded after the 2017 season. Then the Cosmos kind of went into purgatory. They were in the MPSL for a while as New York Cosmos B. Then they took a break but announced in 2019, fall 2019, that they were going to go to NISA for the 20, the fall 2020 season. So they didn't play in the spring, build this team up for the fall season. And the Cosmos, it just didn't, their debut in NISA just didn't go well. They had the poorest season in team history when their NISA debut as a club finished with one win, three draws, and six losses, while also only scoring 11 goals, but conceding 13 goals. And the Cosmos, it was just surprising how this club floundered in Nisa this year, especially when this club is known to winning championships. They have a, obviously a storied history with Pele, uh, Beckenbauer, and uh, of course they had Raul when they were in the NASL. And they, you know, they won eight NASL titles, uh, three back when the NASL 2.0, since the 2013 season, and they have a high level of excellence. So for them to be basically mediocre was very surprising. And not just that, you know, Rocco Camiso in 2019, he purchased uh, Fiorentina, ACF Fiorentina in Serie A. And since he's bought that club, he's apparently has spent more money with the club in Serie A than New York Cosmos. And you could tell because their roster has 
just not been saying keeping the same type of quality players. Or Billy Barich and of course Danny Satella. And you also have a situation where a lot of the fan base in New York feel that the owner's kind of checked out. He's just more focused on Fiorentina and that he's not willing to invest the money in the Cosmos anymore, which is why they're not just going to be on hiatus for the spring season, but they're expecting that they're not going to play at all this year, which is really sad. And let me just read a tweet from Bob Williams. He kind of shared some insight on why the Cosmos are going on hiatus. Uh, the first thing he post- posted was, the club were struggling to find a stadium to play in, with many venue owners, mostly universities, refusing to rent out their facilities to new groups of people and their campuses. And that part I can understand with the pandemic. You know, you're not going to have fans, hard to get revenue. But to be fair, the Cosmos, since they've been playing, come back in 2013, they've been all over the place. <laughs> they they were started off at Hofstra. Uh, then they played at MCU Park. Then they went to the Mitchell Athletic Complex on Long Island. And that's where they played this year over in Uniondale. And they've just been bouncing around all over the place. So the Cosmos have really never had a stable home. Uh Bob Williams also mentioned about the, the cost of playing at the D3 level amid the pandemic and running out no fans and the, the attendance, which I kind of did cite that. He talked and they also talked about testing the players and staff and with the COVID testing, how expensive that's going to be. And then, of course, I forgot to mention this earlier, but we also have the federal antitrust lawsuit between Rocco Camiso and the NASL and, of course, the U.S. Soccer Federation. And from what we've heard on the update on that, last time I heard on that is that there probably will be a trial this year. I think it's going to be in the fall. But I think Robert Camiso may feel that it's not going to be a positive result on his side. And if Robert Camiso feels that way and he feels that he just lost his passion, love for the Cosmos, then I think that he should really consider uh, selling the team. I did ask about this on Twitter a couple weeks ago. When this news was announced, uh, when uh, Jeff Warder posted this on Twitter a few weeks ago, and I asked Cosmos fans, what do you think of the news? Can the Cosmos be saved from the brink of death again? And a fan replied that this is deja vu all over again. Because the Cosmos went through this back in 2017, or excuse me, 2016, when Seamus O'Brien and Cellus Sport was selling the team. The team was basically, well, they were going to go on bankruptcy, and they only had two owners. Raul Camiso put the bid state team. The other was from MLS, where they were basically just bought the logo and the brand, and they wouldn't fill the team. They would just market it and sell it like you see the NHL sell old jerseys from like the Thrashers or the Quebec Nordiques or the Minnesota North Stars, and that's it. That's basically was going to be what would happen if Raul Camiso didn't buy the team. Now, according to the First Team Podcast, they have mentioned that if Rocco Camiso decides to put the team on the market, then they would have some interest. But whoever, if Rocco Camiso decides to go that route, route, whoever decides to buy this team, they need to find a home for the Cosmos. I know it's easy for me to say as an outsider, and I'm here in Florida, in New York, not easy to find land somewhere in New York, but... That has to be the goal. I mean, look at New York City FC. 
they've been playing in a baseball stadium for years. Still no word on when they're going to build their stadium. I know there was rumors they were trying to look at Belmont, but the New York Islanders beat them to it. And, of course, the, I was, the Belmont site was supposed to be where the Cosmos were originally going to build their stadium back on the previous ownership, but it didn't materialize. It didn't happen. And I know New York CFC fans can tease about the Red Bulls, but you know what? At least the Red Bulls have a stadium, a soccer-specific stadium. And for the Cosmos, that's going to be the goal. They they Whoever ends up owning this team down the road, they have to have a plan to get a stadium. Now, I know the Cosmos have bounced around between Long Island and Brooklyn. If that's the, the route they want to go, they got to find somewhere to play down the road. But that's just my thoughts on the New York Cosmos situation. Uh, it's kind of sad to see that they're going through this again, but I hope that the Cosmos fans will be able to support the team once again. And look, I know some people don't like New York Cosmos, but look, every sport, you got to have a team to hate. The Yankees or, you know, the the Knicks or, you know, LeBron, you know, LeBron James or the Lakers, you know, no matter how successful it is, or Tom Brady was with the Patriots, there's always a team that people hate just because they're always successful. And look, the Cosmos, they've been the most successful team, even though it didn't go this well, well for them this time in Nisa. But that, to me, is going to be the key for them going forward. So we'll see what happens. But I hope the Cosmos fans that the can support the the green and the cosmos at some point. I mean, I don't remember the cosmos in the 70 days. The only time I remember the cosmos was when they were in the NASL. I went down to Tampa. They were playing the Tampa Bay Rowdies. And this was, I think, in 2015 or 2016. And there was a game where it was like back and forth. It looked like the cosmos were going to win. And then the Rowdies scored two late goals to tie the match. And after the game, uh, uh, Gio Savrice, the coach of the New York Cosmos at the time, screaming at the refs and the Cosmos and Tampa Rowdies players. I mean, it was crazy. That was a crazy game. So that's my only recollect- recollection of the, the Cosmos from me seeing them in person. But not just the fans, but we have to also look at the perspective from the players. Uh, the players are going to scrambling, trying to find a home to play with Nisa League or USL or wherever they can go. And luckily they have new Amsterdam FC, the other New York team in the area. And one player that has officially moved to at least that club, Bloody Bartich. He was one of the league scorers for the New York Cosmos. And he is joining that team. Uh, Matt Lewis is another player that has moved on. He's with the uh, Kansas City Comets in the major arena soccer league. But hopefully the other players will be able to find homes, and we'll see what happens going on this year with the New York Cosmos. Now let's move on to my third big story. It's going to be on Chicago Nisa, the latest expansion team in Nisa that will join the fall season this year. And their moniker madness is what they've mainly been focusing on for the past few months. And they had a Final Four Second City FC uh, against Point Chicago, Chicago Sting against the Chicago House, and Point Chicago ended up winning this one uh, against Second City FC, and 
Chicago House being Chicago Sting. And those are the two uh, names that the fans had to vote to decide on. Now, the voting just ended uh, yesterday on Sunday. And the club hasn't announced. From what I understand, they'll probably get announced this month, the team name. But it's like a fan advisory poll. They, whatever they, whichever team name went between Chicago House or Point Chicago, and they'll build it with the brand and the colors and, and go from there. So looking forward to hearing from Chicago Nisa what the eventual team name will be. And, and it should be good. It should be good. Uh, but one thing I do know, speaking of house, Chicago Nisa did announce their venue uh, where they will play their home games in Nisa. And it should be very familiar for you MLS fans. Seat Geek Stadium. Yes. Seat Geek Stadium used to be Toyota Park back in the day. Uh, it is going to be the home for Chicago Nisa Professional Soccer Club. And this is very exciting because it is a soccer specific stadium in Bridgeview, uh, in the suburbs of Chicago. And it used to be the former home of Chicago Fire, but soccer club, but they moved to Soldier Field. So it's kind of crazy how that all happened. But uh, I'm not surprised. I know they were considering other options uh, in the city and in the suburbs, but SeaGeek Stadium is available. They have one tenant that's playing there, the Chicago Red Stars, which also was started by Peter Wilt. And Peter Wilt bringing his new team to familiar territory. And I think this is a, a good deal for both sides, and I'm pretty sure it will work out. Just to share from the press what Peter Wilt said, uh, he's excited to return to Bridgeview, uh, a place where he launched the Fire and the Red Stars. Uh, SeaGeek Stadium has terrific fan amenities, sightlines built for soccer, and offers affordable parking conductive to tailgate for fans. We considered several venues, polled soccer fans online, and were convinced SeaGeek Stadium is the best venue for a pro soccer team in Chicagoland. And I, Peter will also mention that it's a stadium that he feels that this team can grow into. Uh, they're going to be in Division Three. But if Nisa gets Division Two down the road and then builds up to a Division One in five or ten years' time, I would expect Chicago Nisa will eventually build that fan base over time. And let's say they start between two to five thousand fans, build it up to maybe eight thousand fans, and then ten thousand. You, hey, you're halfway there, and then you just keep building it up. And I think that's the plan for Chicago Nisa. But they've been a club that's got some excitements, exciting news coming up. Uh, they announced their stadium. Um, they will eventually announce their team name at some point. And I believe they're going to announce their uh, technical director and head coach sometime soon. So stay tuned for that. All right, so for our next segment, we're going to do this rapid-fire style. And I'm going to talk and recap about what we've missed since our last episode. So let's start with the Maryland Bobcats FC. 
are, according to Twitter, also known as MD Bobcats. As protagonist soccer, excuse me, protagonist soccer, uh, they announced that Maryland Bobcats FC won the 2020 Protagonist Soccer Club of the Year. So congrats to Maryland Bobcats on that. Maryland Bobcats also announced uh, that they assigned a four-year four-year apparel deal with Hummel. New Jersey Teamsters, within the past month, they announced that they were going to change their logo and kind of make some change to their name. So now they're NJ Teamsters, but it has a Z at the end. Now, if you're asking me, a little, a little confused, but they said in the press release that the reason they did that was because they want to market their club to Generation Z, and that's why they decided to make that change. So instead of the S, now it's a Z. And, well, for me, it just kind of brings back memories of the Rochester River Dogs, and they had a Z at the end, and everyone was going crazy on them about that. And then the Rochester River Dogs had to rebrand, I think, two years later, and now they're the Rochester Lancers. So we'll see how this plays out with New Jersey Teamsters. Gotta get used to that now. <laughs> but let's give them a shot and let's see what happens. Right now, New Jersey Teamsters are focused on Nisa Nation because that's where they're gonna play for the spring season. And I'll talk about Nisa Nation in a minute. And then they will go join the Nisa League by this fall. Another team that was considering joining in the fall but will now join Nisa in spring of 20, spring of 2022, Flower City Union. That's the club based in Rochester, New York. There were rumors that they were considering joining in the fall of 2021, but unless things change with the pandemic, which as of right now doesn't seem like it's going to happen, so maybe best-case scenario with the vaccine and everything distribution probably by – fall so probably august september october that's probably best case scenario with that but fire student union they are going to build their roster and everything and build towards spring 2022 launch now i know i've been talking a lot about nisa lately but let's talk about the usl just for a second the usl championship division uh they lost five clubs for the upcoming 2021 season. So Reno, 1868, they folded and they cited the pandemic. Uh, but the owners for that club also own the Reno Aces, the AAA baseball team. So that's what they're going to focus on. St. Louis FC, they decided to peace out and fold to make way for St. Louis City FC. That's the MLS team that's going to come into MLS in 2023. Uh, I know a lot of the uh, fans there were kind of disappointed. The team decided to pack up and fold the tent and make way for St. Louis City FC. I mean, it's confusing for me because they're not doing that with Austin. Austin, they still have the Austin Bull. Austin FC is going to play this year in MLS. You're going to have a similar situation in 2022 with Charlotte Independence and Charlotte FC. That's going to be a situation with that as well. So I kind of thought St. Louis FC was going to do something similar with that, but no. Now let's talk about Philadelphia Union 2. They 
have pieced out along with the Portland Timbers too. And they were speculated that they were going to go to USL League One, but they decided to leave USL altogether. And the latest speculation is MLS. This was like late in the fall. There was talk about an MLS Reserve League that was supposed to launch sometime this year. So speculation is they're going to be part of that. And then a few weeks ago, North Carolina FC, a team that was in the NASL back in the day, they are going to go to move down to USL League One. And they decided to do that due to finances and the cost and focus more on player development. Now, I don't know what North Carolina FC, if because there was talk that they were trying to bid for MLS and to get a stadium and I haven't heard anything about that, so I'm not sure where things stand on that front, if that's going to be an opportunity for them down the road. But North Carolina FC looks like they're just making a financial business decision to move down from USL Championship to USL League One. So that's USL, but speaking of USL, they got Miami FC from NISA for 2020 season. This year, 2021, the Oakland Roots, are moving from NISA to USL Championship for this year. Could another NISA club be moving to USL Championship for Division Two? Well, according to First Team Podcast, uh, John Frusciante posted on his website that the Michigan Stars are looking at joining USL Championship in 2022. Now, their owner, George Junkai, uh, has said that if he doesn't like the direction of the Nisa League that they're going to go in this year, then he will make a decision to move the team to the USL Championship. Now, I know Detroit City FC fans had a big laugh about this one, but let's look at it from Michigan Stars' perspective for a minute. Okay, Michigan Stars FC were a club that was in the NPSL and, you know, been kind of up and down. They were in the Members' Cup, and then they announced for 2020 – we're going to go to move up the next stage. We're going to go to NISA. And, okay, the spring season ugh, didn't do so well. But the fall season, hey, they actually made an improvement and did very well this year. Now, we all know Detroit City FC had the last laugh and won the fall championship. But, hey, I was very impressed by Michigan Stars and how they improved the roster from last year in the spring to the past fall season. And for George Junkai – He's been trying to get the stadium situation figured out and build towards a soccer Civic stadium and getting training com- complexes for the club. But he also believes that if he moves the team to the USL championship, it will bring more value for the club. And USL, they currently don't have a team in Michigan in the USL championship. They do in USL League 2, Grand Rapids and AFC Ann Arbor, to name a few. And well, they did have one USL League One, Lansing Ignites, but they folded after one season. So it'll be very interesting to see if they can make that happen. Uh, if the move happens, which George Junkai plans to make a decision by the end of the year, they will still have a reserve team in NISA. Now, as I mentioned, they are Michigan Stars are planning to do a soccer specific stadium, but they've also been busy announcing an uh, under 23 team. That's going to play in the Midwest Premier League. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, they're going to have a UWS women's team in that league as well. And they're also going to have a youth 
have youth soccer affiliations in the state of Michigan. So Michigan Stars, I can see from the owner, are very ambitious, trying to build that team up. And we'll see what happens. I mean, Nisa, they've, at least so far, have lost one club each year and a couple that have gone on breaks, like the New York Cosmos now. And we'll have to see how it all plays out. I hope that Nisa doesn't lose any more clubs. But they're trying to build a footprint and everything. So we will see how that all plays out. Former LA Force winger Danny Trejo has, was selected in the MLS draft by LAFC this past month in January. Uh, big deal. Uh, he played with L, played with the LA Force and did very well for them. And we wish him the best of luck uh, with uh, LAFC. At least the, be familiar with the team colors, kind of the opposite, black and gold. But uh, that's going to be pretty pretty cool, cool for him. And he also got a shout-out from the Danny Trio from uh, – uh, talking uh, the you know the machete and all that, so I thought that was uh pretty cool that he uh got a shout out from the Danny Trio, so that was really cool. Let's talk about Nisa Nation for a second. So Nisa Nation posted, I think it was a week or two ago. They're frequently asked questions just to kind of share a little bit more what's going on with the developments with Nisa Nation. So they put on their press release that they're gonna have two regions. To play in the spring, uh, this could be in the East Coast most likely, and they would start in either April or May. And they expect once they get all the other club commitments built up for all the other regions, that they will begin play in the fall of 2021. So that's really cool. Uh, since they want to keep everything regional with that uh, amateur league. No club is going to go farther than four, five, 400 to 500 miles to kind of keep travel costs and uh, limiting travel down and everything. And I think that's really good. Build that kind of regional rivalry with uh, all those clubs. So hopefully as we get closer to when Nissan decides when they're going to play in the spring, they'll announce some Nissan Nation clubs in their regions and we'll go from there. And they also mentioned in their uh, frequently asked questions that they want to focus for this league. They want to focus on player development and club development as well. So pretty big things happening in Nisa Nation moving forward. Now let's talk about some player signings. That's been pretty quiet until the last couple of weeks. But let's start with the champions, Detroit City FC. And they made some signings uh, recently over the past few weeks. So they're bringing back uh, mid, a, a couple of midfielders. Uh, Connor uh, Rutz, he's coming back. Uh, Roddy Green, he's coming back uh, for his fifth uh, season uh, for Detroit City FC. thought that was really cool. Kevin Venegas, he's coming back for his second season with the club. Uh, Cyrus Sadie. Uh, Man, this guy, he has been with that club since the very beginning, and he's coming back for another season. And, wow, you just don't see that very often in one uh, other than, like, MLS, like Chris Wondolowski. He's been with one club for basically his entire career. Uh, Cyrus Sadie he, uh, is basically like that level for Detroit City FC. 
been there from the very beginning from the amateurs levels and now in the professional level with Nisa. So that's pretty cool. And of course, George City FC brought back their captain, Stephen Carroll, uh, their defender. So he'll be back for another season. And of course, uh, Tende Jira, he will be back with the club as well. So Detroit City FC, uh, the defending champs from the fall season. Now some of the key players that will be returning for the upcoming spring season. Another club that announced some signings, Chattanooga FC. They announced that they have signed 14 players. Uh, just some notable ones that come to my mind. Uh, their starting goalkeeper, Alec Reddington. They bring him back to uh, be the starting goalkeeper once again. Uh, for the defenders, they brought in, they're bringing back, excuse me, uh, Nick Spielman, Sean Russell, and Richard Dixon. Uh, for the midfield, they're bringing back uh, Ian McGrath. They bring him back. Uh, Sean Hofstadter, they bring him back. He scored a goal. Uh, Tover Marshall is coming back as well. And Brian Bement, he's the forward that's coming back for Chattanooga FC as well. Still no word on Norman Lom if they're going to bring him back. Uh, but we'll see what happens with that development. But that will conclude the rapid fire edition recapping on what you missed since our last episode. All right, everyone, before we wrap up today's show, let's get to my final thoughts. And my final thoughts, we're going to talk about the upcoming Nisa spring season. Now, as of recording right now, Nisa has not announced yet a format or when they're going to play the spring season. Other leagues that have announced their format, uh, USL Championship and USL League One, they announced the time frame that they'll start their season around April or May, and they will keep their teams, not USL League One, I don't think, but the championship for sure will be like regional base in groups. Now, for MLS, Major League Soccer, they announced last week their time frame with their schedule. It's going to be a preseason starting on latest month, February 22nd. They're going to announce, or not announce, they already announced this already. April 3rd is going to be kickoff week, and that the MLS Cup final will be on December 11th. However, however, this is all going to be pending on the current CBA negotiations, which between the Major League Soccer Player Association and MLS, it's been pretty tense. And the latest update we got on that was from the league saying, basically, uh, if you don't agree to our terms by February 4th, we're going to lock you out. And to me, that's just crazy because I'm like, the players, they took pay cuts. They had to play in the bubble tournament here in Orlando and finish up the season. And now it's going to end like this, possibly with the league getting its first lockout in league history. I mean, that's the last thing they want, right? But Man, that's just crazy. Who knows the league is going to bluff or whatnot. But that's a story I got saved for another day. Let's get back to Nisa, shall we? Nisa kind of has a uh, own situation now that the New York Cosmos are going on a hiatus with six or seven clubs that look 
committed to play for the spring 2021 season. You got California United Strikers FC, Chattanooga FC, Detroit City FC, LA Force, Michigan Stars FC, New Amsterdam FC, and San Diego 1904 FC. Of course, San Diego 1904 FC was on a hiatus, and now they plan to come back in the spring season for this year. So right now you have seven clubs, and according to U.S. Soccer Professional League standards, you have to have a minimum of eight teams. So now the Cosmos have dropped out, they only have seven teams. Now, the question will be, can Nisa get a waiver? The U.S. Soccer AGM is supposed to be at the end of this month, and usually during that time is when we update on league sanctionings, and there is also a vice presidential election going on around that time as well. So I think for Nisa, at the very least, they, they should be able to get a waiver, especially when you have teams coming up in the fall, like Chicago Nisa and New Jersey Teamsters, FC, and Flower City Union joining the year after that. And, of course, you know, with the situation with the pandemic and the health experts saying that if a majority of the people of the population take the vaccine, we may be out of this situation, hopefully, hopefully by uh, the fall. And I think with that scenario, I think it's very likely U.S. soccer will grant maybe some teams, some leagues with waivers because they're all still dealing with the pandemic. Now, the only other team that could move up from the expansion ranks would be Maryland Bobcats FC. Now, they will announce their first player signing uh, this week. That will happen. And I believe they're also going to have some tryouts going on as well. So it's possible. I don't know. It's possible they Maryland Bobcats could make a jump and play in the spring season. But we don't know yet. I would expect the time frame to still be around April, May, like all the other leagues, when they plan to start. Now, according to the Knights Who Say Nisa podcast, uh, they're saying the latest rumor, and just from an episode from two weeks ago, that from what they're hearing is that the league is considering doing a, a tournament, a bubble tournament, like what MLS did with the MLS's back tournament last year in Orlando, and that it would be in Chattanooga, Tennessee. That's where it will be, the home of Chattanooga FC. They'll play the tournament there. Once the tournament's done, they'll go play a regular season. So it's kind of the opposite <laughs> from the fall season. The fall season, they did a shortened regular season, and then they did the uh, NISA fall tournament in Detroit. So now we're kind of going backwards. But that is the latest rumor that has not been confirmed by the league. But hopefully now with all this league news that's slowly being announced as we get closer to March and April, hopefully we'll get an update on that very soon. And that will conclude this edition of Nisa Today FC. If you really like the show, want to leave any feedback, suggestions, or comments, you can do that on anywhere you listen to the podcast, like Apple Podcasts, or you can also leave a review as well. If you want to follow the show's social media pages, you can follow on Twitter at Nisa underscore Today FC. Instagram, same thing, at Nisa underscore Today FC. And on Facebook, at Nisa Today FC. And you can follow me on Twitter. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. That's at JTSaka88. That's again, that's at JTSOCKA88. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. 
Stay safe, everyone. And I'll see you next time.